Commencement, the beginning of a new era in higher education by Kate Colbert and Joe Salustio with contributions by Elvin Freitas is now available for pre-order on Amazon. Get your Kindle edition or your softbound book. It's going to be amazing. Advanced 360 Education is a data-focused digital marketing company with proven positive outcomes for educational institutions. To learn more, visit a360education.com or call Anthony Espinoza at 310-704-5369. That's Advanced 360 Education. Welcome back, everybody. It's your time to add up on the Edup Experience podcast, where we make education your business. Dr. Joe Salustio, back with you again on another episode as we fast approach 500 episodes of this podcast. I don't know how the heck we do it. Somebody asked me today, how do you do it? And I said, I basically, I podcast, not even basically, I podcast every single day while I eat lunch. So I never actually take a break. My break from my day job is to talk to amazing people, which I can't imagine another break, but then I come off of work and my wife says, let's talk. And I go, I'm done talking. I don't want to have a conversation. So then I get in trouble and the whole cycle starts all over again every single day. Uh, but I don't want to go into too much detail and give you an insight into the Slustio uh, household over here. Uh, but what I do want to do is remind you all um, that we do have, we are writing a book, right? Uh, commencement, the beginning of a new era in higher education. You can check it out at commencementthebook.com. I'm going to plug it uh, because you know, we're sweating to write this book. So I feel like I got to plug it when I can. Uh, of course, we're going to take uh, over 100 college and university presidents and put all of those concepts and themes and trends and concerns into a single book that you can read uh, for your pleasure to go to sleep at night if you think it's boring or to energize you during the day because you're passionate about higher ed. And that'll be up to you. Um, so I have to continue to bring the heat on this podcast because I do it every day and you got to always be on your A game because you're always going to be in front of people that make you bring your A-game. And I've got two of those people with me today. I'm going to bring them in right now. Ladies and gentlemen, here they come. First, I have Jonathan Williams, and he's the AVP of admissions at NYU. And right behind him, here she comes, ladies and gentlemen, Jackie Banagasabreu, and she's the Associate Director of Community College Transfer Opportunity Program at NYU. NYU in the heezy today. Jackie, Jonathan, how you doing? All right. It's been a while since I've been in the heezy, so thanks for uh, well, I had to bring back me through. I had to bring it back to the 90s, right? You guys did see the Super Bowl with Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre. Absolutely. And that, Absolutely. I mean... Yeah, anybody over me. 35 was freaking out you know so i was you know i gotta bring gotta i gotta bring it 100 percent. i'm excited to talk to you guys so uh, where do we start you know here here's where we start where is nyu located no i don't feel like we need to go into that much uh, detail uh but um you know obviously nyu very large very well known worldwide university um uh, you guys are doing great work jonathan why don't i start with you and just level set for us you know higher ed is going through ups and downs and downs and ups where's nyu how are you guys doing in terms of enrollment in terms in terms of student access student success kind of level set for us on what's the state of the university sure absolutely glad to be here and glad to be at your almost 500th episode appreciate that um you know, the thing that I don't think a lot of people realize about NYU is that, that our history 
is very much reflected in who we are today. And so, you know, we're an institution that really was founded on this idea of access for a non-traditional kind of undergrad, you know, back in 1831, people who were going to higher education institutions, they were elite, they were white, they were male, they were uh, Protestants, you know, it was, it was a very specific group, group of people who could access college. But then along comes NYU, takes advantage of the fact that there's this burgeoning merchant class in, in the what's now known as Greenwich Village area of, of New York City, and begins educating the children of the merchants and opening the access to education to, to really to anybody who who desired it. And so that's what you see reflected in who we are today. And we're doing quite well because we have this, this sense of um, uh, inclusivity. Uh, we have a broad, um, you know, there, there are 10 undergraduate colleges in New York City, or undergraduate colleges and programs um, in New York City from our College of Arts and Science and our School of Business to the School of Social Work and the School of Engineering. Plus we have two degree granting campuses uh, in um, international uh, places, one in Abu Dhabi, one in Shanghai. And so that breadth of opportunity, that breadth of experience, I think really lends to A, creating a very different environment. It's tough to find a, another institution like NYU. And, um, and B, it helps us to sustain um, a really strong uh, student body and faculty both at the undergraduate and graduate levels uh, in, in times when other institutions might be a little bit more challenged just because we have such an incredible variety of, of folks who, who come through and come to and through NYU. Yeah, there, you know, that's been something that's been a common theme is I've, I've interacted with many folks from NYU due to this podcast and that that increase in access is, I know, a huge focus for the university. Um, I do want to say not to digress, but I do want to say that heasy is an, a scholarly word. And I know that both of you are writing uh, are, are going to be writing dissertations soon. So if you include that, um, I'm you're sure to pass your chair, uh, your, your dissertation committee. Anyway, Jackie, let's talk a little bit about access and the work that you're doing uh, with the Community College Transfer Opportunity Program. And I think I have that right. Transfer Opportunity Program, right? What is that exactly? And why is it important to NYU? Absolutely. First of all, thank you for having us here today. So what is a program at a higher education institution without an acronym? So Community College Transfer Opportunity Program is also known as CCTOP. And CCTOP was founded over 30 years ago. And really the mission of CCTOP is really to promote access to NYU to our local area community colleges. This is an underrepresented student population that already thinking that NYU is inaccessible to them, that private institutions already are not achievable, but they do have the academic criteria to enter the institution. We're already seeing that the students are thriving, they're graduating at higher rates, they're doing very well with the right transitional support resources that we're providing to them. The barriers are, is getting them the information early so they know that NYU or other institutions like NYU are possible. So, Fortunately, NYU is really committed to promote programs like CCTOP, do another thing that we launched about two to three years ago, right, Jonathan, which is our pipeline and access program division. 
where it's really promoting opportunities in different pathways, not just through CCTAP, but also our middle school and high school programs. So CCTAP partners with 14 area, local area community colleges. Um, the majority of them are the City University of New York's community college system, two in New Jersey and one in Connecticut. And we are affiliated with six of the division schools at the university. So we work with our administrators at the community colleges and letting students know that NYU is possible. We give them transitional support services and we're welcoming them into the university. But now we're working with adult learners, right? We hear the word of non-traditional students. And when we get here, we, not, we don't like to use that word, right? Because community colleges should be part of the plan. A lot of times students, are being told that community colleges are a backup plan, but the reality is that community colleges should be looked as part of the higher education plan because there's a variety of reasons of why students are going to community colleges. It could be because they're undocumented. It could be because of affordability. They came from another country. It can be because they're parents. So it's really taking away the stigma behind of what community colleges are because there's well-known renowned professors at the community colleges. They are students that are, like I mentioned earlier, doing very really well. And that's why we are really proud that NYU is committed to having this program for more than 30 years. Amazing. I love what you said about, because I, I, I agree, I'm a huge community college fan. Um, you know, but but what you said, and you're probably both encountering it. If I'm a student, maybe from a lower income background, maybe I'm a, a person of color and I don't understand how the university systems work or, you know, just in a disadvantaged background of some kind, and you hear NYU and you think this is so outer space for me, I, I can't yeah. ever attain this. I mean, there's there's this balance we have to maintain in higher ed when you have a super brand which is what nyu has right if you say nyu to anybody in the world they're probably gonna go oh yeah new york and you know and know what it is you have this super brand that because the brand is so strong it can seem out of touch for the average person but your target is also the average person who can succeed academically or has succeeded academically so you have to take this thing that seems out of reach and put it in reach how do you do that jonathan and then jackie i'd like you to comment on on, on uh, piggyback off jonathan you're so you're so right, Joe. And it is it is not just um, it, it's not just something that we do at NYU. Um, it, it is a passion for a lot of us. And Jackie mentioned our pipeline and access division. So the pipeline and access division within undergraduate admissions was established to to do for for us to do a better job of letting uh, students who might think that NYU is out of reach or um, you know, unattainable, understand what it is, A, to, to, to be a, a, a strong college applicant, right? Just to put that information out there and, and let them know what that's about. But, but also, and B, to, to, to make sure that um, uh, they recognize what the opportunity actually is to attend a place like NYU. And when I say, you know, students who wouldn't typically think about that, um, people have all sorts of pathways to higher education some people stop out and after high school and they work or you know maybe they started at one institution it didn't work out for whatever reason uh and they you know get full-time work and then they decide they want to come back there are all sorts of ways that people come to higher ed and um uh and and it's up to us it's up to higher ed to to, to really spark that conversation actually came to 
think about a, a division like pipeline and access through work that I used to do as a um, executive director of a nonprofit organization in DC. And, and, and the thing that struck me about the student's journey to higher ed when I was doing that was that we have these sort of three entities. Um, I actually refer to it as the three-legged stool for the student journey, right? Three entities representing the three legs of that three-legged stool. One is the student and their family and, and whatever they may or may not know about um, access to, to uh, colleges and, and universities. The other is uh, the school that they attend, their high school, uh, maybe a community-based organization, but the community that sort of wraps around that student locally. The third is higher ed. And when you think about all, where all the resources are, where the knowledge base is greatest, uh, where the information that that student really needs lies, it's in that higher ed community. But, but unfortunately, we're the ones who are less likely to be involved in that uh, student's journey before they actually reach higher ed. So what we're trying to do at NYU is to gather those resources, understand what they are from our point of view, and then meet students where they are. CC Top's a great example, right? We're going to the community colleges. We're saying, you know, here are some trusted advisors in these students' lives. This is how you get to, to NYU. Please nominate students that you know are, are solid students, people who will, will be able to take advantage of it. You know, without that sort of communication, there are, uh, you know, hundreds now of, of alumni who would never have thought of NYU or, or you know, few of them would have thought of NYU as a place where they could actually uh, take advantage of higher education. One of the things I love about our institution is as an, a quote unquote elite institution with more international students coming to us from than any other uh, school in the country uh, and these global campuses. We're also still that place in New York City where the kid from Brooklyn who's you know coming from a working class family looks at us and say it says, you know, hey Ma, I made it, you know, when they when they actually get to NYU. Oh, so yeah. We've <laughs> we've got this really wonderful blend of students that that shows up. But we have a responsibility to get out there, tell that message, show up in communities with our resources, with our knowledge base, and help students as early as possible. So that's the other thing that, that Pipeline does is we, you know, we have programs at middle school, high school, uh, we've got the community college piece, we're just trying to find people where they are. Attention. Uh, this is a, a broad, uh, this is a, just a mid episode uh, interruption to say that CC top may be the greatest acronym uh, ever created in the history of higher education. I'll probably remember it forever. Uh, it associates with something that also sounds familiar, but boy, CC top is pretty cool. Anyway, attention. that's how I, that's how I like to interrupt my, my own episodes, but Jackie, you know, this um, takes a lot of proactive communication. You, know, you can't just create CC top and you can't do pipeline and access and, and and all of a sudden students come right the if you build it they will come uh, fall uh, I don't know what you call it but this myth that if you build it they will come that we all have to be proactive in the work that we're doing this communication now it, it takes uh, practice it takes uh, strategy it takes 
uh, man and woman power. It takes measuring and, and, and how do you look at outcomes? And there's so much that's going to be involved in growing a, pro a program like CC Top for Community College Transfer Pathways uh, or building a pipeline. Then how do you wrap your head around that work? Because it's work. It's not just like, oh, yeah, we have a, a, a pathway now. And students are like, okay, I'm going to NYU, right? There's there's a communication process. There, there's almost an intimidation that can come with an NYU brand where the student goes, oh, no, um, I don't want to be embarrassed when I, you know, and it's like, no, we want you here. We, we are going to nurture you and care for you. So there's this dismantling of fear, too, that I'm sure takes place. I'm, I'm imagining it if I was a student, how it might be. <laughs> And this is the plug where everybody should read my dissertation in January. <laughs> read her dissertation. <laughs> no, and, and the reality is, it is. It requires strategy on how to support this student population, right? And really promoting access like our institution is doing for community college transfer students into private institutions. It requires strategy. It requires communication intentionality, right? We do have an ethos at our institution student first perspective, and not just for current students, right? It's for prospective students. How are we treating students before they get here? What is the level of communication that we're giving them? The worst thing ever is for a student going, being bounced from office to office, right? Nice. You were ask, asking a question to Jonathan, right? Like, what do we do to build, you know, how do we you know, reach students and how do we bring them? We use our own narratives as well, right? When we're giving information sessions, when we're giving presentations, I'm a first generation student. I'm a product of New York University, not just a master's program, not just as a doctoral student. I did a middle school program at NYU. I'm a product of an opportunity program. I'm a product of a bachelor's program. Like I'm, we, I, I make the joke that I bleed purple, right? So, but when we demonstrate so that, <laughs> I am that kid from Brooklyn that made yeah. it out. I am that kid from Brooklyn that was low income that went to college at the same time as her mom. And she went to NYU as well. So when we're using that narrative and demonstrate to students that it's possible and utilizing that for our communication strategy. If for those of um, or anyone who's listening, look at our main NYU page. It's our students' stories that are being featured not ours sometimes, it's our students' stories because they're impactful, right? And demonstrating that it is possible. So when we're intentional with our marketing effort, when we're listening to our students, when I took on this role, I didn't come into this role and saying, let's do it the way I think Jackie should do it. I set intentional focus groups with students to say, hey, let me know what the pain points are. How can we make the program better? What can we do to ensure that we're doing the best we could. And that's where we see a lot of our program strategy come about across the university and especially enrollment management. We're very intentional with our strategy to ensure that we're evolving, that we're reaching our students, that we're reaching our prospective applicants, and that we're doing the best we can to ensure that we're meeting our mark, we have our key performance indicators, that we're reaching our goals, and we're getting to what we need to be to ensure that we're doing our job to the best of our abilities. Is it important you guys think that 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 uh, NYU, you know, when you're looking at these super brands in higher education, NYU being one, there can be this this inference that it's only for the, for the elite, and that there's this yeah. brand positioning for NYU to say, no, we want to be a, a, a recognized community help. So these programs become part of a sub brand, 
right? Of, yeah. of access and support and belonging and inclusion and so on. How important is that to the long range plan of NYU and its place in the marketplace? Jonathan, yeah, I, I'll hit you with that. Thanks, I appreciate that because I, I think that, um, the, I'll give a little slight pushback that, that is part of the sub-brand. I think there's, there's what the impression people have of, of NYU, you know, that's out there. Um, and then there's what efforts that we put out there in terms of an, being an institution. When our now outgoing president, President Hamilton, first first came on board, and um, you know he looked around the university and said, you know, here here's what I see as the priorities for this institution. Number one, affordability. We're going to help people understand that this place is affordable, and where it's not affordable, we're putting together task force to make it affordable. There was you know, series of recommendations that came out of that. Diversity, huge um, uh, uh, efforts around uh, diversity, inclusion, equity, and belonging uh, to the point of establishing um, the first ever chief diversity officer and that office on a global level, the Office of Global Inclusion. Uh, another was to, to really think locally about who we are and establishing a bigger footprint in Brooklyn as, you know, an educational opportunity. So Tandon School of Engineering is in Brooklyn. Uh, that's part of NYU, used to be Brooklyn Poly Prep, uh, Polytechnic. And, um, uh, and, and so really thinking about, you know, as much as we are this global brand, as, as much as we are this sort of A1 um, uh, institution, uh, recognizing that that that's part of um, that's only part of who we are, and so you know, I we we are trying our best to elevate this idea uh, of of access because it's more than just an idea; it truly is about who we are. There's no ethnic majority at NYU, so you don't have any particular group who represents more than 22, 23 percent of the population, student population. I mentioned that we have more international students, um, uh, but also this incoming class, domestic students, uh, uh, in the fall, 60% of them will identify as, sorry about that. I don't know if you heard that background. Um, no worries, we like, we, we like a little bit of train wreck around here at the Edip Experience, it's all good. <laughs> Excellent, 60% um, of that group is going to identify as a person of color um, coming into this freshman class. So that it is, the, you know, it truly is who we are. Um, and so, you know, we have our work cut out to make sure that people understand that that's who we are. I also just want to reflect on, on my brilliant colleague, Jack, Jackie. Um, everybody that we hire has her background. I'm kidding, that's not true, but you know, what she was talking about is something that that we really work hard on as an office to to, to um, bring to the students that we're connecting with. Who are you, right? Uh, you need to understand who you are as an individual, and then you need to understand what do people need from you. So, how do you show up, and then how do you need to show up? How do people need to hear from you so that they're really hearing your message? that they're really connecting with what you have to say. Uh, and we do a lot of work around that stuff so that we can talk to a wide range of um, folks, uh, a wide range of 
people who may or may not be folks that we have familiarity with. But if you spend the time doing the work to understand who you are and how you show up, then you can much more easily um, uh, recognize how you need to show up whenever you enter communities that may not be familiar, you, you may not be familiar with. Epic. Advanced 360 Education is a data-focused digital marketing company with proven positive outcomes for educational institutions. Advanced 360 Education does not simply rely on instinct to make assumptions about audiences or key data points. Rather, through data intelligence, client strategies take on a higher level of effectiveness. To learn more, visit a360education.com or call Anthony Espinoza at 310-704-5369. That's 310-704-5369. That's Anthony Espinoza at Advance 360 Education. I love that, right? You got to know who you are. And I need you guys to know who you are because right now uh, we are going to play a little bit of a game here. It, perhaps you've listened to the Epic Experience and you've heard this game happen before. If you haven't, oh boy, I feel bad for you. Here we go. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this is another episode of Higher Ed Word Association with my contestants today, Jackie and Jonathan, where I give you a word associated with higher education. I mean, it's going to be a word or phrase, and you have to give me the first set of thoughts that come into your mind. Please use your academic backgrounds here to give me more than one or two words back, okay? And uh, we'll, we'll select a winner at the end that will be Jackie, but we'll, we'll decide at the end. Um, here we go. And Jackie, I'm going to start with you, okay? Here we go student debt what's the first set of thoughts feelings emotions that come to your mind student debt dropping out okay elaborate for me first thing students think about when student debt that they can't afford it and they're going to withdraw it's interesting and you tie this back to i think what one of you was i can't remember who was was saying to not have the students have to go somebody else for, for help, right? And when you think about that, either in an online or an international or domestic student, if you can't service that student when they need it, that walk to or that click to yeah. or that next phone call to is like justification for, oh God, this is just too hard, I can't do it, right? And so we don't think about that, the science behind that too in depth, but it is it is truthfully um, giving them justification to, to feel right. defeat. All right, Jonathan, student debt. Yeah, um, incredible barrier to student success. Uh, you know, the the idea, say, before you enter college that you'd have this crushing debt, particularly if you're, you know, 17, 18 years old, if you're a first-generation college-going family, the idea that you would take on the kind of debt that, um, that, that colleges can... Uh, can cost is terrifying. And, um, and every year we talk with families, we talk with students who uh, choose not to enroll because of that uh, level of debt that they might be facing. And, and, you know, and we are meeting uh, demonstrated financial need. So, you know, even when you have a financial aid package that looks pretty good for many, many, many families, the idea of uh, an institution costing so much money can be crushing and debilitating. And so we actually have an office of financial education um, that works with students and families on how do you budget? How do you plan for 
uh, uh, the next year and the next step and, and um, how do you find scholarships, all those sorts of things. Because it's, it's an obligation in my opinion for uh, any college or university, not just to say, here's what it costs, but here's how you afford it. Oh no, Joe, now I'm gonna give answers more lengthy because Jonathan went really- well, I told you, you know what? You're writing a dissertation. You should be able to pull out whole excerpts and you, but then you're gonna self-plagiarize. Anyway, you, you get more wordy. Jackie, I was you know being me. fair. I was being fair. <laughs> you were trying to take it easy on me. I know. <laughs> okay, ready, Jackie, this one should be like, you know, hitting a, a softball with a two by four for you. Here we go. Lifelong learning. Me. <laughs> Like Jackie Benegas Abreu. Lifelong learning, Jackie. <laughs> um, I always ask the question to students, well, when I interview people or even students, what's more important, teaching or learning? And I think it's both, right? You can't continue to teach or evolve if you're not learning. And I think that's very important, right? To evolve, to learn, to make sure that you're keeping up to date as a person, right? You need to continue learning to keep the, you know how they say like you can prevent Alzheimer's if you're reading. I don't know if that's true. Do not quote me on that because I am not a neuroscientist. I'm getting a doctor in education. <laughs> um, but I do think it's important to become a lifelong learner. Um, I'm in a doctoral program. I was doing research for fun. And that's what really what? sparked my interest. Yeah, for fun. For fun. <laughs> what? Literally, literally, I was reading data. If my supervisor is hearing this, she will tell you, like, I was doing it for fun. And might as well, I saw there was a need for the community college transfer student population. And I said, this is a gap that needs to be filled. And in order to do that, I need to get my doctorate to ensure that other private institutions were promoting access for community college transfer students. And that's what I'm going to do. So. Here we are. And and you've been a lifelong learner. Look at you going through all of your programs and you know it. Right? So you know how to speak, you know how to walk the walk, as they say, or talk the walk, whatever the saying is. All right, Jonathan, lifelong learning. Wow. Um, that was that was brilliant, Jackie. I, I would say that lifelong learning is one of those things that helps to level the playing field, right? To um uh bring people along who who have um you know less resources available to them um, as they are are growing up or, or what have you yeah you know, it doesn't it it doesn't mean that you can't be curious it doesn't mean that you can't continue to ask questions to to try and figure things out and to to grow when i was a really young kid one of one of my peers who i thought was fascinating was this guy stanley i won't give his last name um, but I thought he was amazing because he had a chemistry set. And I just thought, wow, you know, we were probably what, six, seven years old and he had a chemistry set and he could talk about what was in that chemistry set. That blew me away. And, um, and you know, he uh, continued throughout life to, to be that really curious kind of person. And, and um, so I, I just see it as a way for people to um, continue to improve their station in life. and. Uh, uh, you know, a bit of a lifeblood. Okay, here we go. This is the last one, Jackie, and I feel like you're going to have a lot to say here, especially as you, uh, from from your kid, for, you know, as a kid, and from your pathway to higher ed, the value of a college degree. Priceless, priceless. 
it was for me it was something that was growing up it was the American dream as being a first generation student as having parents who were undocumented um, they came to this country to ensure that I would be able to achieve that at the time. So being able to go into higher education um, was huge um, for my family and myself. So having a college degree is something that promotes opportunities for families and generations, right? It's generational wealth like we tell our students. We heard this in a recent graduation of one of our graduating students saying that you graduating is promoting generational wealth for you and your families. So you think yes. that still holds? Well, do you think that, and sorry, I, I'm interrupting in the middle of the game. I shouldn't yeah. do that. <laughs> but do you think that still holds true given the challenges to the college degree and then it's not doesn't hold as much value and it's too much and you know there's alternative credential pathways and you can be elon musk if you want to and you know and it's like what's the message that we're sending to people these days about college and the college degree i still think so i still do think that you do need to have an education we always tell students that you should have for me, I'm an educator, so I am going to say you need an education. And someone listening to this may say, no, you don't. I think you can you know, do a trade school or you can do this and that's fine. If that's something that you're passionate about, fine. I support you because there's a passion. My husband's a chef, right? And he went to school and he got his education, but he said, hey, I want to be a chef. Go right ahead, I support, yeah. <laughs> and he's amazing and I think that's great. But I do think that there's a certain point where you should have a form of education to ensure that you have some educational credentials, right? And whatever pathway you choose after that, by all means, because that's your passion. I chose initially a practical field, but then I saw that I was unhappy. So ultimately I wanted to ensure that I was happy and it was education and I have something to fall back on. I love that. Jonathan, value yeah. of a college degree. Value. Um, uh, priceless is a great word. I think, you know, in practical terms, um, we see lots of research that shows that people who, have, who are college educated, they live longer, they live healthier, they are more engaged citizens, they are more likely to vote, they're more likely to volunteer in their communities. Um, and I'll take an opportunity actually to uh, talk really quickly about our prison education program, where we know from research that um, uh, formerly incarcerated people are eight times less likely to earn a college degree, but when they do, it reduces the recidivism rate. They, again, become more engaged citizens, they have more opportunities. Um, and so we you know, have this wonderful, wonderful relationship with Wallkill, uh, 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 state penitentiary, and you know we have faculty who are uh, showing up in um, uh, in the facility, and they're teaching, and and students are earning their uh, associate's degree, and then they have a pathway to NYU through this program. So, value of college education—you can't put it into words. Uh, we are both, as Jackie mentioned, I, I'm also first-generation college-going student. I can't even imagine being where I am without having gone to, to college. It just, you know, it, it is life-changing. 
You know, and you hear that uh, so many times. Somebody, I, I hear it all the time. You know, college is just as not as worth it as it used to be. And I and I go, can I turn around to my kids and say, you know what, you don't need to go to college. It's like I'd rather die sure. knowing that I made my kids go to college and gave them just every chance. And it's like, who who is going to be the one that turns around and says, you don't need to go to college, Johnny, because it's just not worth. You just can't imagine having that conversation. No. It's crazy. Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we're going to need to go to the judges. I'm just going to ask a simple question here. <laughs> Did we have a tie between Jackie and Jonathan today? 100%. Well, I guess we have two winners today, ladies and gentlemen. This has been another episode of Hired Word Association. <laughs> what, what did, what, I'm going to ask you both our two final questions to, and in this episode. I think they're very important questions, so I want to make sure we have enough time to give you both a platform here. Uh, and Jackie, I'll start with you. What didn't we say about NYU that you'd like to say about the program that you're overseeing? Anything that you have going on? Any amazing events or announcements you'd like to make? You're live on the end of experience that nobody else knows about. Anything at all. Um, and then I'll ask the same of Jonathan, and then we'll give you the final question of the episode. Absolutely. So one thing about CC Top that many people may not know about is that the average age of our students right now currently in our program is 28. We have parents, we have grandparents, we have veterans, right? So it's not probably the typical student you'll probably see at NYU. So it's really understanding that they probably will look like faculty and they're not faculty members at the institution. So it, they are considered probably adult learners, not that the 18 and 21 year olds are not, but really they're a different student population that still need transitional support services, but they're doing amazingly well. They're graduating in four semesters, which for a community college transfer student, the average semesters to graduate is six with it after the two year um, from graduating from a community college. So they're thriving here. So if you didn't know that about CC Top, they're doing amazing well. They had a bigger uh, group of students graduating this past May. So congratulations to them. And yeah, and for those of you who are from private institutions who want a framework of what we do at CC Top, like I said, make sure you see what we have in store in January. <laughs> but you can't use CC Top because they've trademarked that already. So yes, that, everybody. <laughs> yes, yeah. cannot use CC Top. That's the joke that they have in my cohort for my doctoral program. ZZ Top. <laughs> yeah, of course. Well, I mean, that's the, you know, but I mean, it's word association that helps us remember things, right? So. Jonathan, same question to you. What do we need to know about NYU that wasn't said? Anything that you intended sure. to bring up today? Um, website, I'm assuming it's nyu.edu. Um, and uh, that's right. anything else you want to say? Yeah. Um, and you can get directly to our office by going at missions.nyu.edu. Um, listen, we are a R1 research university, 50,000 students. It's a large place. We're the largest private research institution in the country. Um, but I want people to understand that we are accessible. We are incredibly accessible. People think that NYU is this big impersonal place that they can't get individual attention. Um, and you know, you have you have Jackie here who reflects an unbelievable uh, commitment to each individual student that um, that she works with and her team works with, and that's reflected all across the campus. And I think that's just a, a misunderstanding about who we are. Um, we are accessible. Uh, we care about the individual student, and um, and it's a great 
place to grow and learn and to, to be nurtured uh, into your next step. So that to me is, is one of the things that we work really hard in the admissions office to uh, help un people understand that we are uh, a place that, that is accessible and that there's a lot of opportunity, a lot of great opportunity that we want, want students and families to take advantage of. Okay, Jackie, here's your final question of the episode. You both get a chance. I feel like Jonathan's getting like, because I keep going you first, so he gets That's way right. more time I, to prepare for I his answer. I to think about it, absolutely. Right, but then he steals your answer. I don't know if he's stealing. You know, That's anyway. right, you know, I'm the weak link. That's why. <laughs> Jackie, what do you see? The, I saved the easy one for last. What do you see for the future of higher education? That's a good question. I mean, what do you see? What do I want to see for the future of higher education? Or what do I see in general? I think I think you just have a crystal ball. You got to tell us what the future is. I mean, ideally, I would like to see higher education free for all, obviously. <laughs> I mean, I do think that emulating a structure, especially for students who cannot afford to go to higher education. I think that would be great um, who think that affordability is a barrier for them, right? We spoke about that earlier, how that becomes inaccessible for them. So they do think about different options to survive, right? To really think about what can they do to provide for their families. So if that was something we can do for higher education in the future, that would be amazing across all institutions, but realistically is really thinking about how institutions can continue to practice that sense of belonging on campus because that sense of belonging on campus leads to student success and student success leads to degree attainment. So Nailed if it. institutions continue to do that, I think we can get a lot more students graduating with their bachelors. Sorry, Jonathan, but you've got to follow that answer. What do you see for yeah, the future right? of higher education? Gee, Liz, that, that's tough. Um, well, the thing that came to mind was that you know, we've got uh, changing demographic all across this country and um, more people of color, more under-resourced communities gaining access to higher education. And I just think the future of higher education is learning how uh, to um, uh, learning how to better uh, uh, integrate those varied experiences and um, for all of us to learn from the, the incredibly rich diversity that this country has to offer. And, and so I, I'm eternal optim optimist. I, I do think that higher education has a leading role to play in helping um, this country heal across the racial lines across um you know all of these divisions that we're seeing lately so that's that's the future that i see for higher ed is that we'll we'll be the ones to be able to sort of lead the charge around um that kind of healing across the country well i love the passion and that leaves only one more thing for me to say i like you people so i <laughs> very much enjoyed our talk today you guys um the passion the knowledge the insight the experience um uh, it, it's incredible to hear you both talk about the programs and of course i have to ask you did you have a good edup experience today awesome that was great fun absolutely absolutely thank you for having us of course well ladies and gentlemen here's your guest first 
It's Jonathan Williams. He's AVP of admissions at NYU. And of course, along with him for the ride today, let me wait for the, uh, there it is again, Jackie Banagasabreu, Associate Director of CC Top. Um, and uh, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you guys here. Thank you for coming. Thank, Thank you. you Ladies and gentlemen, you've just ed up. Effective marketing for educational institutions requires a dedicated partner that understands the complex, constantly evolving digital landscape in which colleges, universities, and career schools compete. The EdUp Experience podcast partner, Advanced 360 Education, is a data-focused digital marketing company with proven positive outcomes for educational institutions. Advanced 360 Education does not simply rely on instinct to make assumptions about audiences or key data points. Through data intelligence, client strategies take on a higher level of effectiveness, whether the goal is driving enrollment, alumni engagement, or other educational marketing campaigns. To learn more, visit a360education.com or call Anthony Espinoza at 310-704-5369. That's Anthony Espinoza, 310-704-5369, a360education.com.